I tell you, my wife and I have been married for uh, almost 32 years. We've got four daughters, and I absolutely love being a dad. And I know that she loves being a mom. And so there's, uh, this is just a great opportunity, a great day to celebrate our moms, uh, to give thanks for our kids, and just all the way that God's blessed us. But I also recognize uh, that for some Mother's Day can be a difficult time. I know my wife and all, I have to let her tell her story at some point. But uh, I know that sometimes we approach Mother's Day based on our own family uh, history with uh, maybe different types of emotions. Uh, you might have lost a child, or maybe you haven't been able to have a child, or maybe you don't have children. And uh, for some, uh, they come to a Mother's Day uh, celebration like this, and they're quite sure, okay, well, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with this. <laughs> but um, we all have a mom. We've all had a mom. and so. But it's just an opportunity for us as a church just to kind of celebrate um, who our moms are. And this morning, we're in for a treat because we're going to look at some lessons, uh, some principles that we can apply to our lives um, through two great moms in Scripture this morning. But I know that uh, moms and dads all approach their holiday a little bit differently. I think dads and moms have two completely different ideas about what uh, that holiday looks like. And so typically when I think about my role as a dad, um, it looks you know, something like this. You know, I get together with my daughters, and I spend some time with them, and I love hanging out with them. And it's just like, yeah, I'm a pretty good dad. And so that's kind of the way I think you know, most dads think. I think when you get around some of the ladies, uh, it might look something like this. I don't know if I'm good enough. Am I doing this right? Should I be doing more? <laughs> And so I know my wife and I, this is one of our favorite, uh, this is one of our favorite little meme cartoons because uh, that's, that's true of us. My wife will look at me and she goes, how can you just think that and not do this? And, and so, but you know, we approach these days a little bit differently. There's all kinds of expectations and unmet expectations about the day. And uh, it's just, uh, for every person, it looks a little bit different. And I think when you start asking people about, you know, what does a mom look like? You know, what... What does, uh, uh, when you think about moms, when you think about Mother's Day, what are some of the things that kind of pop in your mind uh, when you think about moms? I know that uh, uh, Jesus and uh, Joseph, you know, they gave birth to Jesus back in uh, 30 AD, so almost 2,000 years ago. And so, you know, Mary was a mom. And so I think, uh, you know, maybe some moms think about uh, they want to be like maybe a biblical character kind of a mom. Or um, I think uh, maybe sometimes I think people might have in mind maybe like a Puritan. And so this is a you know, little picture of a, of a mom back uh, in the 1700s, 1800s. And then, uh, then we hit the 1900s, and, you know, it's a period of uh, daintiness and sophistication. And so you know, there's a picture of a mom from the 1900s. And so I don't know, what do you think about when you think about what a picture of a mom looks like? You know, for me, I grew up with the Brady Bunch, and so Carol Brady was one of the moms I always kind of thought about. Anybody know who June Cleaver is? Leave it to Beaver. You know, a lot of times, you know, somebody thinks, well, and it's it, funny, uh, June Cleaver sometimes gets used in a negative context. Well, I'm no June Cleaver. <laughs> so I don't know. So maybe sometimes you might think of a mom like a June Cleaver kind of an attitude or uh, maybe a Carol Brady kind of an image. Uh, does anybody watch Working Moms? If you, want, yeah. if you don't watch it, don't go look it up. It's a new show, uh, but it's actually, you know, one of the images that kids are growing up with now um, from a, a television perspective on what moms look like. And it's anything goes on that show. And so they are redefining uh, the roles of men and women and what it means to be a mom. And so there's a variety of different things that typically come to mind to people uh, when they think about moms. And so what do you think about? I tell you, one of the things I usually think about is my mom. <laughs> so that's my mom, Paula Willard. And uh, this was the first time that I have not been able to, when I was a little kid, I didn't get to do a little card and I didn't get to call. I didn't get to call her. She went to be with the Lord last year. Um, so it's been a year ago, two days from now. And so this was the first time I woke up and I thought, wow, I didn't get to call my mom before I went to church. It was kind of a weird feeling. I'm um, just kind of knowing that, you know, hey, there's you know, something missing. And uh, I tell you, there's, there's, uh, 
no more important relationship to a child, whether it's a girl or a boy, um, than the one that's, you know, impacted by your mom. And so that's my mom. I don't know what uh, is going on with me over there. That's actually a short haircut for me. So I was uh, 18 years old. So, But uh, I miss my mom. I really appreciate the lessons that I learned from her. And so I think, you know, that's a good picture of a mom for me. Um, i tell you another good picture of a mom for me is this one. This is my wife, Carolyn. And we've got four young daughters. And Carolyn has really modeled uh, for me just great parenting skills. And so I'm married up. And so Carolyn is definitely my better half. And so I typically, when I think of moms, you know, we'll think of my wife. And so I went by this morning and told her Happy Mother's Day. And another little running joke we have is like, well, I'm not your mom. I was like, no, but you're the mother of my children. <laughs> and so when I think of moms, you know, I think of Carolyn. And so I think each one of us have different ideas about what motherhood looks like. And so you've got an idea about what moms look like. And so we're all working towards something. Um, typically, we think of other people. You know, the Bible is filled with examples of motherhood. When you look through uh, different parts of Scripture, um, there's uh, just all, this past couple weeks as I was preparing, was just looking at all the different stories about different moms and the impact that they've had uh, on the lives of their kids. And it was really hard to pick one uh, because there are just so many great stories about moms uh, in Scripture. I was looking at uh, Jochebed, who was um, Moses' mom uh, back in the Old Testament. And uh, Pharaoh had, was trying to keep the population of the Jews down. The Israelites were just growing uh, exponentially. And so um, he had uh, issued created the firstborn uh, males were all to be put to death. And so um, Jochebed, Moses' mom, um, when she gave birth, um, did everything to try and hide uh, Moses from uh, Pharaoh's men. And she put him in a little basket and floated him down a river. And have you ever heard that story? And so Moses' mom uh, floated him down the river. And I can't imagine a mom you know, sacrificially loving their kids enough to be able to let go of their children like that. You know, trusting God, floating him down a river, and uh, praise God, um, Pharaoh's daughter picked him up, and she actually got to be a part of his life. And so there's some great lessons to learn uh, from her life about being a sacrificial uh, mother. We have um, uh, two moms in First Samuel that uh, one mom, uh, her baby had passed away at birth, and so she went over and she took one of the other mom's kids and claimed it for herself, and so they were fighting over whose child it was. And, and uh, so they went before King Solomon and all his wisdom. He uh, had come up with a little test uh, to figure out which one was the real mom. We just cut him in half. And so the real mom said, no, I'd rather she have my son rather than lose her child. And so there again, sacrificial love of a mom to be able to release her children in a way and trust God in a way uh, that's just really reflective of the heart of a mother. We have uh, the mother of James and John. Loved their son so much. She loved her son so much that she wanted them to be uh, right there with Jesus. You have the mother of King uh, uh, Lemuel, who was the, actually, uh, who gave her son advice on what to look for in a wife in Proverbs 31, which is a lot of times where we get uh, a biblical idea of what motherhood looks like and what does it mean to be a godly wife and a godly woman. And so just all throughout scripture, uh, there's just story after story about the impact that moms have on their children. And so whatever picture of a mom, uh, whatever that looks like for you, whatever pops into your mind, um, there's one thing for sure. Moms influence their children. Probably more than any other relationship, a child's impacted by the relationship that they have with their mother and with their father. But there's something about that special bond, that special relationship uh, with a mom. And so we want to celebrate that today. And uh, this morning we're going to be looking at um, Eunice, who is the mother of Timothy. 
And uh, we're going to look at three principles that we find in that relationship between Eunice and Timothy um, that really just look at how we can influence uh, not only our lives, but the lives of our children. This is what Timothy's family tree looks like. Um, Timothy's mom was um, Eunice, and interestingly enough, uh, Eunice's mom was Lois, and both of those ladies um, were Christians. Uh, Eunice grew up in a Jewish household, so she was very familiar with the uh, Old Testament. She grew up in a uh, godly family that um, uh, would have been part of the Israelite um, family, and uh, but she became a Christian at a young age. So she was a Jewish woman that became a Christian. Interestingly enough, she ended up marrying a Greek and uh, doesn't say anything about her husband. Uh, Talks a little bit about her mom, uh, Lois. Uh, Lois came to Christ first, um, and then Eunice becomes uh, a Christ follower. They're both uh, from the Jewish faith. They convert to Christianity. You know, interestingly enough, all those first Christians were Jews. And so when we look at the New Testament, when you look at the person of Jesus Christ, um, that was the forecoming Messiah uh, that those Jewish people were waiting for. And so the people that are practicing Jews, uh, of the Jewish faith today are still waiting for a Messiah. But those early Christians were the uh, Jews that came to understand Jesus was the Messiah. So you see a little bit of a split between uh, Jews that believe Jesus is God, that he's the Messiah, and Jews that don't. And so Lois became a, a Christ follower at an early age. She became a Christian. She uh, gave birth to Eunice, and, uh, and then Eunice was a Christian, and then she married a Greek man. Not one thing has been said about Eunice's husband. And men, I don't know if that's a, you know, some kind of an indictment or I don't know what to make of that, but there's no mention of his name anywhere in Scripture. The Bible is silent on him. And so, you know, I was kind of reading up, I kind of feel left out. It's like, wow, where, where's the dad in that? <laughs> and so, you know, I don't know. God's uh, writing a story. If he's writing a story like that, I want in. I would hope that if somebody was writing a story about my kids, uh, that they would include my name, right? And Carolyn wouldn't get all the credit for raising these kids. But, um, you know, it's important that as parents that we invest in the lives of our children. Luke describes um, Timothy's family structure. It looks like this in Acts uh, chapter 16. Uh, the apostle Paul comes to Derby and he came to Lystra. And there was a disciple there. Uh, and his name was Timothy. He was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Uh, Timothy, speaking of Timothy, he was well spoken of by all the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. You know, it's interesting about that passage. When you look at there's a couple of key words in there I just wanted to look at briefly. The first one was the word disciple. You know, a disciple is someone that is a learner. They're a follower. They're attached. Uh, from a New Testament perspective, when we talk about disciples uh, in the Bible, a disciple is someone that is connected to Jesus Christ, that has a relationship with Jesus Christ that has made him their Lord of their life. And so when we talk about Jesus being our Savior, um, he saves us from our sins. He gives us the assurance of heaven. But he's also the Lord of our life. And so we are obedient to him. So there's a, a, a submissive role that we have to Jesus as our Lord. And so he is over us. And so a disciple is someone that has uh, someone over them, they're connected to, uh, they have a relationship with that's close. And so Timothy is described as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so he's a strong Christian. We know a lot about his faith by the fact that he was described as a disciple. And then we see um, his mom. Uh, we know that um, uh, we know that Eunice was a Jewish woman who was a believer. A believer is someone that has placed their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. And so when they're describing Timothy's mom, 
um, Eunice. She's described as somebody that believes, is sold out, has complete faith in Jesus Christ. And, and it was at a time when there were a lot of Christians. And so we know that there was probably a lot working against her from a cultural influence perspective about her faith. But we know that she was a believer. She was devout. She was faithful. And she also had a relationship um, with Christ. And so when you think about the role that Lois and Eunice had on Timothy, they just give us some great examples of what it means to be a mom. And look how Timothy turned out because of their investment in his life. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystria and Iconium. Timothy was well known throughout the area by others as being a godly man. And so he is well known in the area. He comes from a strong Christian household. And when the Apostle Paul gets there, um, he kind of catches Paul's eye. And so Paul sees Timothy as somebody worthy to invest in and wanting to know more about. And so Paul comes alongside Timothy and begins to invest in him and train him. And they begin to do ministry together. And between Paul and Timothy, um, we see the spread of Christianity throughout their area. We see the church grow in amazing ways. And between the two of them, they have just a huge impact for Christ. Uh, And it's still affecting us today. All because... There were two moms that really were intentional about how to train their kids up. And so um, uh, really some important lessons and principles we can learn from their lives. We're going to be looking at chapter um, uh, 1 through 4 in 2 Timothy. And uh, 2 Timothy was written by the Apostle Paul. Um, He was in prison at the time that he wrote that letter. Um, There was persecution of Christians Um, throughout that region. And so the governor Nero um, was trying to, the Romans were trying to um, oppress Christianity. Um, They didn't want the spread. And so um, Nero was persecuting Christians. Paul gets captured. He's sitting in prison. And uh, when he writes this letter in 2 Timothy, it would be just before um, he was going to be executed. And so Paul would be uh, crucified or not crucified, but be killed for his faith. Some believe that he was beheaded. Um, But Paul would be... um, persecuted because of his faith in Christ. And so he's sitting in prison waiting to be put to death when he gets out his pen and writes this last letter to Timothy. So this is the last letter that was written by uh, Paul. And uh, it's in this letter recorded for all of history where he reflects on these two moms by name. And he outlines for us three principles uh, for not just being a great mom and investing in our kids, but really for each of us to be able to live out in our own faith walks today. So three principles. You ready? If you're interested, uh, you can follow along. We've got an outline on version uh, as well. You can search Springbrook. Uh, you can just follow along with the passages and takes notes as well. But the first principle um, that we'll see uh, Paul identify in his letter to Timothy is the importance of having an authentic faith in Jesus Christ. You know, one of the most important principles we can pass on to our kids and embrace as adults is the importance of having an authentic faith in Jesus Christ. You know, Paul is sitting in prison, and he gets his pen out, and he starts writing this last letter before he's going to be killed. And he starts out his letter, 2 Timothy chapter 1. He starts out like this. He says, Paul, an apostle. How do you know the letter was written by Paul? It says right there, Paul. Paul, 
an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God who I serve, who I serve, as my forefathers did with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. And so Paul is penning this letter to Timothy and he's recounting all of the ministry that they've done together and, and the time that they've spent together. And he recalls in that relationship uh, with Timothy the times that they've shared together, the times that Timothy has shed tears. It doesn't say what the tears were shed for, but I can only imagine just based on the persecution that they faced together that it was probably tears of being persecuted. And so just the things that Timothy would have been crying over. Or maybe it was going into a town where people weren't receptive about hearing about Jesus Christ. And maybe Timothy was, was just filled with sorrow for people that were rejecting who Christ was. And so Paul doesn't really identify what Timothy is crying about, but he reflects back on some intimate times uh, that they have shared together. And he says that he's longing to see him so that he can be filled with joy. You know, there is no doubt that Timothy's impact on Paul and, and Paul's impact on Timothy have kind of bound these two together in a sense that there are, there's a closeness that they share together and, and a lot of genuine memories. And so when I think about all the stories that Paul and Timothy and all the experiences that they had together, I don't think that it is of uh, little value that, that Paul doesn't mention um, Timothy's mom and grandmother. On accident. For all eternity, we have in God's word these two ladies that had invested in the life of Timothy. And Paul writes in verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I know it dwells in you as well. So we've got this great faith that has motivated and driven and seen you know, families and apostles and disciples through to accomplish God's plan. There's and in the context of this passage, we see these, these two moms just kind of set apart for us to really take a look at. Um, we want to take a look at their lives and see how they invested in Timothy. And their faith is, is genuine. It's a genuine faith that they all have. You know, a lot of times when you talk to somebody about, you know, their faith or about you know, why they go to church, what do they believe about Christ, there, there's a lot of indifference uh, that I think that people have about their faith and who Christ is and what it means to invest in the lives of our kids and and, uh, but we don't see indifference in the lives of this family. We see a sincere faith that motivates a grandmother, a mom, and impacts a, a, a child. And so Timothy's faith is something that is, is personal for him. It's something that he's embraced himself. It's not something that was just handed down to him. He wasn't a Christ follower or a Christian because his parents made him go to church. He was a Christian and he was a Christ follower because he sincerely believed that Jesus is who he was he claimed to be. And it, and it affected every area of his life. His faith was sincere. And it, it, we need to invest in our kids so that they can grow up and have a sincere, authentic faith. It's something that kids learn. They can pick it up to a certain extent by our behaviors and our actions, but they also pick up bad stuff. And so, But we have to teach our kids so that they can have a genuine faith. It's something that is learned. You know, I talk to a lot of parents about how to invest in their kids like that. And sometimes I'll have, you know, parents will say to me, um, you know, I don't want my kids believing something just because I do. You know, I want them to discover 
this on their own. And so they will, instead of training their kids or guiding their kids, the thought is, is well, I'm going to let my kids make their own choice. And I can't, I'm thinking, I, I can't think of why anybody would want to do that. Can you imagine? There's some weird stuff out there. Why would you want your kids choosing something that's not true? And so I can't think of anything more important than in training our kids. You know, it would be like taking your car keys out and throwing them to your 14-year-olds and say, well, you want to learn how to drive a car? Well, you know, here's the keys. Good luck. Well, that's not how that happens, is it? <laughs> you know, kids, they get instruction. You know, if you're, in the, if you're a sophomore or a junior right now, you've just gone through this, you're going through it. I mean, you, you have a teacher, you have a class, you have to learn the laws, there's books you have to read, and then you get a driver's ed instructor and you get to drive all around town. And I don't know where this is right now, but it seems like every year, the number of hours that a student's required to drive with their parents is going higher and higher. I, I think from one of my kids, we had 100 hours that the kids actually had to drive around uh, with, with, with one of their parents. Is anybody else going through that right now? <laughs> when teaching kids to drive? I mean, 100 hours is a long time. That's 100 hours of instruction. And I don't know what that looked like for you, but in our house, it was really interesting. I love our girls. But I tell you, uh, 100 hours is a lot of instruction. And so that's just to drive a car. And so what's more important, learning how to drive a car or making a decision about where you're going to spend eternity? I can't imagine anything more important than helping guide our kids and instructing them and training them to have an authentic faith. Drive a car or make decisions for eternity. You know, we're not talking about the next 10 years of their life. We're not talking about 100 years until we're gone. We're not talking about, you know, a million years. We're not talking about a billion years. We're talking about eternity. And, and our eternities are impacted by what we do and what we believe about Jesus Christ. I can't think of any more important decision for our kids than to make a decision about Christ and have an authentic faith. Jesus says in John 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so I want my kids to come to the Father, don't you? I don't want to turn my kids loose to try and make up their own mind. I want them to know, hey, this is real. It's important, and you've got to make a decision for this. And I'm going to help you, and I'm going to guide you, and I'm going to train you. And as parents, that's what we want to do. That's why our ministry exists, is to help people grow in their faith and to equip saints for ministry. We have a responsibility for equipping our parents, to help them to be able to equip their kids. It's an, an equipping ministry so that we can all just to, to retain unity in the faith uh, in Christ. And so we exist um, so that people can grow in their knowledge and their love uh, of the Lord. You know, and I am so grateful for my uh, mom. I tell you, I wish I could uh, pick up the phone this morning and just uh, call her. I think about all those days where I thought, well, I need to call her before my life gets busy. And, uh, man, I woke up this morning. I thought, wow, I wish I could just call my mom and just tell her how much I appreciate her. You know, she dragged us off to church, you know, Christmas and Easter. And, you know, we didn't go to church all that often. But I remember one Easter morning, it was an argument. I mean, I remember bawling. I'd just gotten my Easter basket and my candy and I had some toys in there. And she goes, okay, put all that away. Let's go to church. And I was like, church? I'm going to put my stuff. She said, put that stuff away. Go get dressed. We're going to church. And she drug us off to church. <laughs> I'm so grateful for that. You know, that. you know, she was instilling in me the importance that God is important. That's a lesson that I learned from my mom that I'm gonna that carries me through to today. I'm trying to teach uh, to my kids as well. It's important that our kids have an authentic faith. You know, it's overwhelming being a mom. I I can't imagine you know we're trying to run the house, we're trying to get the kids dressed, and 
Man, I was praying for uh, some of our moms this morning. I know we had some moms that were serving, and you know, the kids are trying to help. I mean, just being a mom sometimes can be overwhelming. And uh, you know, just to, I want to encourage you this morning uh, that you don't have to be a mom uh, alone. Jesus says, uh, Matthew 11:29, He says, "If you'll take my yoke upon me, upon yourself, and you'll learn from me, um, I am gentle and I am lowly in part, and I will give you rest for your souls." You know, being a mom, being a parent doesn't have to be overwhelming. You know, when you are connected and you are yoked to Jesus, he's going to strengthen you. He's going to help you with that load and he's going to give you rest for your souls. And that idea of being yoked to means I've got this piece of wood around my neck and it's connected to Jesus. Kind of like two cattle are yoked together. And when you are yoked to Jesus, when you're connected with him and you have a relationship with Christ, he is going to help you with your load. And so this morning, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, if you'd like to get connected, you want some help, Jesus is saying, hey, man, just hook yourself up to me, and I will make your burden light. I am gentle. I am lowly in heart, and I will give you rest for your souls. And so you don't have to parent alone. And so I want to encourage you this morning that uh, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, that might be something I would just pray that God would help you to get some clarity about, because you have to be clear about that before you can help your kids be clear about that. And that's why we exist. We want the parents and our kids to grow up in knowledge of Jesus Christ. Our kids see, our children back there today, they're learning about God in their age-appropriate ways. Every kid's got a, a different classroom. They're all learning about God in their way. I'm grateful for our kids see. I'm grateful for Awana where kids can come together uh, all the way kids through sixth grade. They get to learn. They get to memorize scripture. You know, we're equipping kids in our Awana. I'm grateful for Pastor Matt and our youth ministry and for the opportunity we have to invest in the lives of our junior and senior high students. I'm grateful for uh, Gary, who's leading our uh, junior or young adult ministry for our small groups, where we've got kids that have graduated from high school, and they're trying to figure out, okay, well, what's next? And we've got a place for them to be encouraged with one another. And we've got a place for parents and adults, whether you're married, single, whatever your status is. You know, we have a place for you to get connected so that you can grow in your faith in Christ. Having an authentic faith is one of the first important principles that a parent can pass on to their children. The second principle is this, the priority and the importance of Scripture, the priority and importance of the Bible. Beginning in chapter 3, Paul writes this, mark this, there's going to be times in the last days where people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, Brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited. He describes a scene that's going to be where people are just going to cast off God and they're going to want to do things their own way. You know, sometimes I'll look around and I'm thinking, what do you mean you want to redefine marriage? You know, what do you mean? Sometimes I'll look around and I'm thinking, wow, are we living in this right now? I mean, Paul describes a time when people are just going to cast off restraint and they're going to do whatever they want to do. They're the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are looked down on with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. You know, Paul tells Timothy there's going to be times when things are going to be really bad. But he says, but as for you, continue in what you learned and have firmly believed, knowing that from whom you learned it in and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That word childhood could probably be better translated newborn. 
It's reflective of a word that reflects unborn to newborn. And so from the time that Timothy was a newborn, a baby, an infant, from the time he was first born, he started learning, knowing from who you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Baby, baby Tim had a mom and a grandma that were telling him bedtime stories about God, about Moses, about Noah, about all that, about David. And so from the time that he was an infant, he was acquainted with the Holy Scriptures. Wow, to have a grandmother and a mom that cared about their kids in that way, teaching them about God and the Bible from the point that he was a newborn up until the point that he actually gets connected to Paul and Paul gets to continue to invest in him. And it is all based on God's Word, the sacred writings, the Bible. The Bible is the foundation for everything that we believe, everything that we teach, everything that we do at Springbrook. It's all rooted in Scripture. And so it's hard to have a conversation with somebody about matters of faith unless you have your Bible. The Bible is what's important. It doesn't matter what I believe, about what you believe, or about what the guy down the street believes. The Bible informs what we know to be truth. And that's a, that's a lesson that we've got to pass on to our kids because if we don't give them Scripture, the world's going to give them something else. There are so many things out there. I mean, it is so confusing. I, I have lost track of how many different types of world religions there are. I mean, I just lost track of how many choices there are to make. I don't want my kids being deceived and being tricked into following something different than what's in Scripture. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He overcomed the grave. Where is his body right now? It's in heaven. That's why we celebrate Easter. You know, when you look through the evidence that Christianity, it just it demands a verdict. There's a book called Evidence that Demands a Verdict. Christianity, it just makes sense. You don't have to check your brain out at the door. Christianity is rooted in truth and in facts, and there's evidence that demands a verdict. And we have got to teach our kids the authoritative word of God. Grandma Lois and Mom Eunice were teaching the Bible to a toddler and they were living out this command in Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. The words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them to your, diligently to your children. First, you have to believe them. They should be on your heart. And then you teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You know, that is living out our faith. And it is never too late to start. I know the first time I walked into a church... I didn't have a relationship with Christ. I was 33 years old. I didn't own a Bible. I heard this great message, and I thought, wow, I just don't even know where to turn. It is never too late to start. So if you don't have a Bible, we want to encourage you to get one. We've got some guest Bibles out the back. We have Bibles for kids. We have so many resources to help people to get rooted in Scripture that, you know, we you know, don't walk out of here if you don't have a good Bible in your hand. If you, want, you, you need that resource. You need to know that the Bible is important to us at Springbrook. It's important to us as believers you know what? And you don't have to do it by yourself. We've got some great ministries that will help you. We've got small groups. We've got young adult groups. We've got ministries for our kids and for adults. You don't have to do it uh, on your own. You know, we want to be yoked to Christ. We're here to encourage one another. And it's never too late to start. So if you're sitting there and you're thinking, wow, I don't, I don't have that, then today's the day you might make the decision to place your faith in Christ. And if you want to know more about that, I'd love the opportunity to talk with you about that. We have to instill in our kids the importance of Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All Scripture is breathed by God. God used men to write Scripture, but it's from His breath. All Scripture is God-breathed. It's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness, so that we may be 
complete, equipped for every good work. You know, life is busy. There's a lot of things that compete for our time. A lot of times people have questions about where to turn and what to do with this or that. The Bible is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness so that we can stand before God complete. The Bible is the foundation for our faith, and it must be a priority in our lives. We must be able to pass that principle back on to our kids as well. The third principle is this. We need to pass on to our kids a desire to serve others. You know, I have, you know, I think about how many times I hear I versus we, or if I think about uh, me versus us. You know, we live in a culture right now that really is focused on uh, needs. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we need to teach our kids the importance of, of serving others. You know, Paul has come to the end of his life uh, as he concludes his letter. Um, there's only uh, four um, chapters in Second Timothy. It's a short book. Um, but I can't imagine knowing that these were just the last words that he would write as he comes to the conclusion of this letter. He says, look, a time is coming when people will not listen to sound teaching. It's going to get messy. But he says in 2 Timothy 4, 5, But as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. You know, there's going to be a lot of things that compete for our time. There's a lot of things that can be a little bit confusing. How do you process through this? About Think about all the things that are on my calendar, and we can't be overwhelmed by those. We need to be sober-minded when it comes to Scripture. We need to think clearly with regard to Scripture. I love doing a devotion in the morning. I listen to a lot of different things, but there's something about studying God's Word and, and being in it and looking for clarity and wisdom and doing word studies. The study of Scripture is just it's so important. It's there where we find the ability to be sober-minded. It's there that we can find truth. Romans 12.1 says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to know and test what is good, pleasing, and perfect. The will of God. The will of God is found in God's Word. And so the Bible says that every believer has a spiritual gift. It's a spiritual job description. So how's God wired me? What does God want me to do? I've got a spiritual gift for the purpose of serving in ministry. God, before you were informed in the womb, God knew you. He had a plan for you. And we need to turn to his word to be able to find out what that plan is. And a part of that is just serving beyond ourselves. We have a spiritual gift for serving others. God has called me into a marriage, not so I can get whatever I can get out of my wife, but to serve her and to love her sacrificially as Christ loved the church. And so in all of our relationships, we need to be looking for opportunities to serve others. And that's, that's a lesson, that's a principle that we have got to pass on to our, our kids. You know, as it, uh, one of my daughters, uh, Mary, graduated um, Saturday, so we got to celebrate that with her, with her yesterday, and uh, we were waiting for her to come out. So we were standing out underneath the trees, and I was watching all these kids trying to make plans for the life. Hey, what are you going to do next? Where are you going to get a job? How much money am I going to make? Da, 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 da. And uh, it was funny because I didn't see any kids off to the side huddled over, going, "Hey, man, we need to be praying for God's will, man. I don't know what I'm doing right now. I need, I need to know. <laughs> we need to teach our kids turn to God. God knows what you're supposed to be doing." God knew you were going to graduate. God knows what job he's got lined up for you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Fulfill your ministry. You know, it is just it's such a privilege to be able to come alongside and encourage uh, our kids and to be able to encourage uh, one another. You know, when I went into ministry, um, I can remember uh, telling Carolyn, Hey, uh, good news. Uh, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to go to seminary. I'm thinking ministry. <laughs> And she said, yeah. 
<laughs> how are you going to provide? Well, I'm going to, you know, God's going to provide. No, how are you going to provide? What are you going to do? We're going to get a job. How are we going to eat? So we had to process through that. But I can remember one of the conversations we had was about I was invited her to join me in ministry. Uh, most church planters I know, it's usually a pastor and his wife, and you got the pastor and you got the wife leading worship, or you got the pastor and she's helping with children's ministry. And so I invited my wife onto this journey, and I can remember the day she stopped me and she said, My ministry is our four children. She said, God called you into that. I'm going to support you. I love you. God called me to minister to these four kids. And I thought, Wow. You know, the first thought that was my first thought. I was thinking, Well, well I need some help here. <laughs> But, man, I have respected her decision for that because she has loved and invested in those four girls. I am so proud of them, and she just did. That, to me, is an example of what it means to serve others. Our kids are all grown now, and we're trying to think about, hey, well, what are we going to do next? But that decision, that line in the sand for her to say, I'm going to serve our kids was such a great example for me because I'm typically thinking about, hey, what, what, what am I going to do? And we need to teach our kids that lesson as well. And I want to encourage you today, you know, wherever you are, you know, whether, you know, in your faith, as you think about God's plan for your life, and as you think about raising your kids, this principle of serving others is just at the root of what Christianity is all about. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve others. Servant leadership is an example for us in leadership, in our church, in our ministries, in our family. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that we've been saved by grace through faith. Not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. I love that passage because I grew up thinking man, it was about being good enough. I had to be good enough before I went to church. And, oh, what do I need to be doing? And I, mean, I was worn out trying to figure out how to please God. And I saw this. Well, wow. Not by works. I love that. There's nothing I can do during God's favor. There's nothing I can do. <laughs> it's, it's a gift from God that we have Jesus Christ that died for our sins. We just need to accept that and then allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. Praise God for that. I love that passage. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. But look at verse 10. He did that because we're his workmanship. We have been created in Christ Jesus, not for good works. We're not our own. We've been bought at a price, but we've been created for good works, which God prepared beforehand for us to do, that we should walk in them. God's got a plan for us. What is that plan? And am I living it out to obedience? We should all be asking ourselves, am I living out God's will for my life? The part of that is just how we serve God others. You know, I know that um, I, it would, I can remember walking into church and hearing about, you know, Christ for the first time. And I love having conversations with people. I love that. Um, I love our starting point class. Our starting point class is an opportunity to uh, come alongside people. They get to learn about Springbrook, about our values, what's important to us. We get to learn about them. And it's an opportunity for us to come alongside and help people to grow in their faith. And um, I love that class because it's a conversation. So many times we hear these things, sounds good, see you next week. But we have got to be able to internalize these principles. The fact that God has a plan for us already and we just need to know about it, that's something to embrace. And I know sometimes it can be overwhelming because I just, I don't know where to start. Sometimes I look at my life and I think, wow, I fall short in so many different areas that I just don't know where to start. You know how to eat an elephant? One bite at a time. It's day by day. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today. There's decisions and there's, there's steps of obedience that we can take today. Maybe it's a faith commitment. Maybe it's uh, uh, identifying with Christ through baptism. You know, maybe it's uh, getting involved in a small group. Maybe it's learning my spiritual gift. And so our starting point class is designed to come alongside people and help them grow in their faith. And that's what ministry is all about. I love this church. 
And I love the opportunity to be able to see people grow in their faith in Christ and be able to live these things out. So if you're feeling overwhelmed right now, I don't want you to be overwhelmed. I want you to be encouraged. No matter where you are today, there's a place for you to start. And so that's my prayer for each of us, that we would each be able to experience more and more of Christ in our life. And I want to encourage you today, wherever you are, that we're glad you're here. It's never too late to stop uh, growing in our faith. This morning, we want to take some time to celebrate our moms as well. I love in Proverbs chapter 31. It's the idea of a Proverbs 31 wife. It's the idea of uh, what it means to be a mom and a wife. And I love in verse 28, it says, Her children shall rise up and call her blessed. I love the imagery of that. And so I don't want to put you on the spot. But if you are a child, or if, you're, if you're here with your parents this morning, if you're here with your mom, I want to invite you just to stand up with me for a moment. Just stand up and tell your mom, I hope you're blessed today. So if you're a student or your mom's with you, stand up and tell your mom, be blessed. Her husband also. And so if you're a husband, stand up with your child. (laughs) Kids and husbands, stand up and praise your wife and your mom. Many women have done exceedingly well, but you surpass them all. If I was a mom, I would love to hear that. Wouldn't that be awesome? I would love to hear that. Proverbs 31, 30. Okay, men, all of you stand up. Men, stand up. I want you to know that charm is deceitful, that beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And so praise the woman in your life that know the Lord. Praise them. You know, we need to set aside time to honor our moms, to praise them, and to give thanks for them. And then to be able to encourage one another as we think about what does parenting look like. And so we want to pray for our moms this morning. Our sister's going to come forward in just a moment. But let's take these next few moments just to give thanks for the hope that we have in Christ, the opportunity we have to encourage one another and to encourage our moms today. Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. God, thank you for our moms. God, I know that there, I really know that there's, there's no more important relationship that a child has uh, than with their mom, especially when they're young. And I know that there's a lot of things that work against our moms, a lot of different conflicting ideas. You know, what does it mean to be a mom? Our culture would try to define motherhood differently than what we find in Scripture. And I know there's just so many things that work against them. And I pray that they'd be encouraged today, that you would take that yoke upon them, and that you would make that burden light, that you would encourage them. I thank you for the hope that we do have in Christ and for the opportunity we have as parents to invest in in the lives of our children They are the future of the church. And if we don't share with them today, it dies. And so, God, I pray for our kids today that they would embrace these principles and that as parents we would be able to encourage them as well. Thank you for this day you've given us. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.